0: Well we've been in this sermon series looking at healing broken relationships and uh, we're kind of getting to the tail end of that today and tomorrow and today we're going to be looking at forgiveness and uh, Jesus has a lot to say about forgiveness in fact one day uh, Jesus was trying to make a point about forgiveness and so he did what he would commonly do which uh, when he would teach he would just simply tell a story There's just power in just telling stories, as John Lundy was just sharing a little bit earlier about the power of telling stories and being able to do that over radio and communication. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to actually just kind of retell the story that Jesus did in the the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. This is a story about the head of a large company. He's the president and CEO, and one day... The time for the annual meeting comes around, so all the department heads are called together, and it turns out that one of the VPs has got caught with his hands in the cookie jar. And he had been working for the CEO a long time, but he had been systematically embezzling from the company for years. And now he owes an astronomical sum of money. Jesus takes the largest number in their language and he pluralizes it to express the size of the debt that this guy owes. It would be like in our day saying he owed zillions and zillions of dollars. It would be like the national debt, more money than you ever see in your lifetime, like your mortgage, okay? And there's no possibility that this guy could ever pay it back. He didn't use the money to do shrewd investments. He just blew the whole thing, shot the whole thing. Nothing left. So this is a story of plain greed. And now, Jesus says, comes the day of reckoning. And this guy gets a memo from the old man, from the CEO. The old man wants to see him. So he comes into the boardroom. All of his peers are there. The department heads are there. And this embezzler comes before the owner and the CEO of this company. Now imagine for a moment being that embezzler. Imagine his fear and utter sense of humiliation. No more bluffing, no more con games, no chapter 11, no chance to reorganize. He has no assets, no rich uncle, no horse that'll pay off, no lotto tickets. He's finished. He is going to be thrown into jail, or he's going to be sold into slavery. And just not him, the way that it worked back then was that his whole family would be sold into slavery. And not just for that generation, but for generations to come. A slave was worth maybe $2,000, and so the sale of his whole family into slavery would not pay one-tenth of one percent of his debt. And that meant that he was facing slavery for him, his wife, his children, and for his descendants for generations. So he stands now before his peers, before the CEO, in front of them all, and the sentence is read sell everything he owes, sell him into slavery, sell his wife, sell his children, his children's children, until the unpayable debt should be paid. Case closed, take him away, next item of business. Now at this point in Jesus' story, there have been no surprises. This is standing operating procedure right out of the policy manual. But at this point, something happens in the mind of this embezzler. And the reality of what he has done all of a sudden comes crashing into him and the sentence registers on him and the idea comes, he says to himself, what if I were to fall on my face and humble myself and just beg for mercy? It's a total long shot, understand. This is a last ditch, bolt out of the blue, million to one chance. But he reasons to himself, what have I got to lose? I'm out of options. I'm out of hope. So he does it. In front of them all, this guy falls to his knees, gets on his face, and he says, I am guilty. I know what I owe, but I'm asking for mercy. I'll pay it back. I just need time. I just need you to give me a grace period. I just need some grace. Now, imagine for a moment the other people in the room who are witnessing all of this. They're thinking to themselves, this is embarrassing. This guy has sunk to a new low. I mean, he has embezzled hundreds of millions of dollars and he knew the rules. He knew what would happen if he got caught. He knew he couldn't pay it back. He just gets a penalty here. This is standing operating procedure. And now he asks for mercy? I mean, if he got mercy, even if you got time to try to pay it back, in a thousand years you couldn't pay this debt back, give us a break. But the CEO looks at this crooked embezzler and Jesus says in his story, he took pity. And so for no reasons that no one understands, no one, he bends down, takes him by the arm, he brings the embezzler to his feet, says, get up off your knees, he says. And then he just doesn't rescind the sentence. He forgives the debt entirely. The unpayable debt doesn't just have to get paid back. This guy doesn't have to owe anything. The grace period has been extended indefinitely. He gives more grace than the embezzler himself ever dreamt of asking for in this moment. Now it's crucial that you understand this in order to get the story. You know, in order to understand what Jesus is saying about God himself. You see, when the owner forgave the debt, the debt just didn't disappear it didn't just vanish who absorbed the debt well the owner did when the owner forgives the embezzler it costs him hundreds of millions of dollars and that is not a little thing and the owner is saying all right i will take the loss you will be forgiven for the debt but it'll come out of my pocket so imagine the embezzler He was saying, I can't believe it. I didn't have a single prayer here. This was a total long shot and it paid off. I threw myself on the mercy of the court and he took the loss. I got grace. All is forgiven. I am free. And he goes home to his wife and the two of them celebrate because they've gone from death to life. Amazing story. Now at this point, we need to step back and reflect for a moment or two. The master in the story, the CEO, he, of course, stands for God. Main character in this story, the embezzler, the crooked guy, who does that stand for? Anybody want to take a wild guess? Us. You, I. OK? And Jesus says that you have accumulated a moral debt before a just and holy God, and you have been adding it to it for years. That's our condition. Every time that you were less than honest, every time you fudged an expense account, Every time you were unloving to a five-year-old, every time you should not have made a cuttering remark, but you went ahead and you made it, every time you should have spoken in love, but you refused, every time you refused to be grateful, every time you gossiped, every selfish act, every racist joke, every sexually impure thought or deed, every judgmental attitude, every time you took a little grudge and nursed it and nursed it and nursed it, you were simply adding to a mountain of moral debt. And all human beings do this and we have accumulated a debt before a just and holy god all of us have and that's not all for the bible says there is coming a day of reckoning it is given to human beings the bible said once to die and then comes the judgments so someday as surely as you and i are here in this room someday we are going to face an audit of our lives And you're going to face the fact that you owe an unpayable debt to a just and holy God. And furthermore, you don't have the resources to pay it back. You can't earn your way into God's good graces, not by going to church, not by giving lots of money, not by doing good deeds. It's an unpayable debt. But the Bible says there is a way. You can throw yourself on the mercy of the court. And the Bible says that God looked at you, looked at me, and was moved with pity. And so God sent his son to live on earth to teach us how to live. To die on a cross, the death that by all rights, I should have died because of my sinfulness. The death you should have died, the death we all deserve to die, he died instead of us on the cross. And the Bible says that on the cross, Jesus paid our debt. On the cross, he absorbed the loss so that you and I could be set free. God really does forgive recklessly extravagantly with abandon without regard to cost and the place that ultimately expresses god's forgiveness is the cross this is why the cross is at the center of the christian faith god by grace has forgiven you through jesus christ God has decided, because He's God, that that's the kind of God that He is, that in His heart of hearts, what He longs to do most is to simply extend grace for no reason. But you've got to decide what you're going to do with it. You have to receive it. And you must make a decision. And some of you haven't done that before, and this is your chance to say yes to God's offer of life and forgiveness. Maybe you've never before said, God, I confess the fact that I am a sinner, that I have a mountain of moral debt and that I can't pay it off on my own, and I now understand and receive your free gift of forgiveness through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And again, God, I want to sign on with you. I want to give you my loyalty And I want Jesus from this moment on to be my teacher, to be my Savior, to be my Lord, to be my guide. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. And you can do that right now. If you have never done that before, some of you can do this. This can be your day. Decide to follow Jesus Christ. Now this crooked embezzler has received grace in the story but it's not the end of the story this is a two-parter the story is a two-parter that jesus tells the embezzler is off the hook he owes his life his freedom his family his possessions everything to the grace of the master he doesn't have to repay a cent so everybody listening to the story wants to know how is he going to respond with this what will his life look like now since he has received grace? Well, in the story, he comes up upon another guy, another employee in the corporation who owes him something. But this time, it's a small debt. It's like $20. It's like pocket change to him. But this other guy hasn't got the money. He's a desperately poor man. So he says to the ex-embezzler, just wait until the end of the month. I'm going to... Uh, pay you back. I'm not going to stiff you on this. I'll repay you what I owe you. Just give me some grace. He asked for grace. In fact, this is part of Jesus' story uh, that is amazing. The poor guy uses the same word that the embezzler had used to beg for grace. Just cut me some grace. Give me more time. I'll pay it back. He uses the exact same words. And Jesus says he falls to his knees and he begged him, Be patient with me. I will pay you back. Of course, the great difference now is this, this is a doable thing. This is a small debt. It's repayable. But the former emblazler, this cheat who has been forgiven everything, thinks to himself, I'm not going to make the same mistake the old man made with me. I'm not going to get stuck with this. I'm going to make him pay. I want him to pay. And he has him thrown into prison where, of course, he cannot repay the debt. Because this forgiven embezzler refuses to pay the price, he will not forgive the debt. And he says in his heart, I'm going to make you pay. I'm going to make you pay. You see, this is the truth about forgiveness. Authentic forgiveness is never cheap. It's never cheap. When you get hurt, and the hurt is deep, and the hurt is unfair, you want somebody else to pay. You want somebody else to hurt back. You want them to know the pain that they've inflicted on you, and you want them to pay. And I know what that feels like, especially some of you who have been hurt in unjust and deeply unfair ways. We just want the other person to pay. It's just human nature. Some of you are here this morning and you have been royally used and abused. Some of you have been cheated or betrayed or deeply wounded. Some of you have been in a financial situation where somebody has just raked you over the coals and they did it deliberately and they did it with malice and you know it. Some of you have been in a situation at work where you've been the recipient of unfair treatment some of you have been in a relationship where you gave your trust to somebody and they betrayed you and you have been hurt and the hurt is deep and it is personal and it is unfair and it just wrinkles you someone has run up a moral debt with you and you know it to the penny and you're saying right now you know james if i forgive i know what that means It means I got to swallow the debt. It means I'll have to repay the cost. And the cost is not making them hurt back. The cost is not making them pay. And you're right. If you forgive someone, you do pay a high price. In fact, there's only one thing in the world that I know of that costs more than forgiving someone. You know what it is? It's not forgiving someone. Because non forgiveness costs you your heart and your soul. And some of you know that. You've not forgiven, but you've got to forgive. It doesn't mean that you condone what someone did was wrong. Forgiving is not condoning. It doesn't mean that you excuse what someone did. Forgiveness is not excusing someone. It doesn't mean that you decide that you will tolerate injustice. Forgiveness does not mean tolerating injustice. Injustice has to be fought. But forgiveness does not even mean that you always reconcile with someone. Sometimes you cannot reconcile. The other person is not willing to acknowledge their part. If they're not willing to confess and repent when they've wronged you, then you can't reconcile. You can't build a relationship safely unless it's built on truth. Forgiving someone does not mean condoning them. It doesn't mean excusing them. It doesn't mean tolerating injustice. It doesn't always mean reconciling but you can always forgive because what it means to forgive someone is it means that you let go of the right to hurt them back. It's what forgiveness is. You let go of the right to hurt them back. You let go of that desire. And this takes time. It is a process. Sometimes you have to forgive over and over and over, but eventually your heart will begin to heal and God will be able to give you new eyes and you will come to see this person who has hurt you, not just as a monster, but as a fallible fallen human being. It may take time. It costs a lot to forgive, But to not forgive costs you your heart and your soul. Don't forgive and you will become chained to your anger and resentment. Don't forgive and bit by bit all the joy will get choked out of you. Don't forgive and bit by bit you will be unable to trust anybody ever again. Don't forgive and bitterness will crowd the compassion out of your heart slowly, utterly, forever, and you'll just live one long complaint. Don't forgive, and that little grudge that you nurse will grow larger and stronger. And although you think you can hide it from everyone you know in time, it will become a monster of hostility, and all that will be left out of once was a human being will just be bitterness and anger. Unforgiveness will destroy you. So forgive. And the Bible teaches that the only power to forgive lies in the experience of being forgiven. The only thing that gives fallen, fallible human beings the power, the strength to extend grace to someone who doesn't deserve it is the experience of being released from a mountain of moral debt. In the eyes of a just and holy God. And if you live in that kind of forgiveness. Then how can you refuse. To extend it to someone else. The only power to forgive. Lies in the experience of being forgiven. And so this morning. I offer you nothing but the cross of Jesus Christ. There are no clever principles that are ever clever enough. No simple steps that are simple enough other than the cross of Jesus Christ. In the cross is the place where we see the ultimate expression of the heart of God. The cross is God's ultimate weapon against anger, hurt, and hate Just the cross. And now there's one more part to this story. And to be real honest with you, I kind of wish it wasn't there because this is the part that has some frightening implication. But you know, this isn't my story. So I can't leave it out. This embezzler has done the unthinkable. He has claimed forgiveness from God for an infinite amount of moral debt but he refuses to extend forgiveness and grace to another person just like him. He claims to receive this huge forgiveness of this debt but he refused to extend it just to a little one. So the ex-embezzler is brought back into the boardroom a second time but this time the story is different. There are no tears. There are no pleadings. There's no falling to the ground, no begging for mercy, no bargains. This time the CEO looks at this embezzler and says, You didn't get it at all, did you? It didn't penetrate. You have gravely misunderstood me, my friend. You thought that grace meant that I was some fuzzy-minded incompetent that would let you get away with whatever you wanted to and abuse whomever you wanted to. You thought because you had gotten in with me, you could just be the same hurtful, self-centered, arrogant, unforgiving, ungracious person that you were before. But you have been badly mistaken. I was willing to take the loss for you. I would be still, but you don't want what I offer. You were shown forgiveness, but you wouldn't give it. You were offered grace, but you won't extend it. You were showered with love, but you refused to live in it. I offered you the miracle of forgiveness. The chance to live in a world of grace instead of a you hurt me, I'll hurt you back kind of world. But you cannot receive it and refuse to extend it. It comes together. So you have rejected what I have to give. So I have nothing left to offer you. And then the old man turns and he dresses the soldiers, take them away, throw them into prison, leave them there until he pays back the unpayable debt. And then Jesus closes with these very sobering words. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you. Unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And Jesus drops the mic and walks away. <laughs> and now you must choose. You must choose. No more explaining vengeance or mercy, prison, freedom. Anger, grace. Life, death. It's up to you. Please, 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 please choose to forgive. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for for extending to each and every one of us grace that is beyond comprehension, grace that is so extravagant, grace that is limitless. Thank you for what you have done for each and every one of us. You sent your son to us. He came to this earth to live to show us how to love and then went to the cross taking upon himself the sins of the world and his body broken, his blood poured out so that we can be free from Satan sin and ourselves. We can be free to live the life of forgiveness. Not because of things we have done, not because we've earned it, but out of sheer grace extended from you. And Lord, as recipients of that great love, how can we not extend it to others? So Lord, help us to be forgiving people. Lord, I know there's many people in this room who who have hurts, and they run deep. But we know the cleansing power of your word and grace and forgiveness runs deeper. And you can take all those hurts and heal them and allow us to move forward in life, in relationship with each other and in the perfect relationship with you. God, give us wisdom as we seek to live that out. God gives us strength to forgive even when we don't want to forgive. But there's no other option for us. So help us to live forgiven lives and to extend forgiveness to all around us. Help us as we seek to do that, not through our own strength, not through our own power, but through your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.